Welcome to the Total Car Score podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. And live from the LA Convention Center, the Total Car Score podcast, the first time we've ever been broadcasting live from an outer show. Well, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Lauren, Carl, we wish we, wish, we, wish. we, wish we were there, right? Yeah, it's sad. It should be saying what you just said. Unfortunately, as everyone knows, we can't go anywhere. We're all locked down, depending on which state. Some of us are more locked down than the others, right, Lauren? Mm. Yes, Carl, you and I are locked down the most. He's in California. I'm in New York. So we're on complete lockdown. We've reverted back to square one here. So we, if there was an LA Auto Show, I couldn't go. Right, exactly. So this week was supposed to be the the yearly edition for the Auto Show. We would have been the press days, all the press conferences, all the interviews, yeah, looking for all the people that we know, friends having a drink after after all that, after work, the parties and all that. And now here we are, Miami, Buffalo, and uh, Orange County, talking to a microphone and whatever place we can find to do this. But this is where we are. I mean, we saw the yesterday, actually, that I guess would have been shown at the LA Auto Show, the Honda Civic 11th generation prototype. The digital debut on the Infiniti QX55, the Subaru VRC. Uh, am I missing any any others that you have seen? That's um, it so far for this early part of the yeah. week. There's also something from Alfa Romeo, I think, tomorrow. This is what we are, and I think we're, we're going to, I mean, like, they're already canceling more events. I was supposed to go to L.A., actually, to drive the, the Toyota Mirai, the high, a hydrogen car, and the uh, Mustang Mark E, one of your favorites, Lauren. <laughs> yes, but I was going to go because it's it's a finalist. It's in the final grouping of, or at least the second round of cuts for SUV of the year, although it should have probably been in the car category. But either way, um, we, we are now going to get them delivered to our homes so we can drive them, which is not the same thing. I know. But the anyway. Restrictions um, were going to be crazy. Five people per group. You had to have your mask on all to- at all times, even in the car by yourself. It's like, all right. We're getting too far here, you know. So. <laughs> I know. So, Carl, uh, what have you been driving these these days? I mean, you you would have been at the LA Auto Show, but you did uh, something other activities this week, I think, right? Yeah, no, I drove a really exciting car. I drove the one hundred and fifty thousand mile two thousand four Chevrolet Malibu that I bought out of the uh, Ed dot com long term fleet back in <laughs> two thousand five. And it did turn over one hundred fifty thousand miles on a drive from Denver back to Los Angeles uh, today. And uh, you know what? I'm impressed with that car. Uh, that that car is still going after 15 years and 150,000 miles. So, uh, wow, I'll take it. That's amazing. And how can I mean, Lauren, you're more an expert in this topic, I think. How do you get a car to be working in that uh, good condition and be reliable for such a long trip with 150,000 miles on it? Well, I have cars like that too. So, but uh, different mixtures of cars. But one of the things to make your car last longer and get 100,000 miles on it, which is easy, and I know Carl does this, is you change your oil, not with regular oil, full synthetic, because it lubricates the engine better, gives you better fuel economy, better mileage, better longevity. And then on top of that, anything that you think is going to potentially go wrong, you want to be proactive, whether that's a timing chain, a bushing, a bearing, a belt. You don't want this stuff to fail. And on some engines, they have what's called an interference engine, that if something fails, it'll take the engine out. So you want to 
be on top of all the maintenance. Some of that's in your owner's manual. Some of it you'll find in forums, depending on what you're driving. But the key is to be right on top of anything and actually be proactive, you know, changing the oil and the fluids. And and if you see something that potentially could go wrong, get it replaced, get it fixed first. So you can he definitely got his money worth out of that car. I mean, you definitely have gotten every cent out of that thing. You squeeze it like a lemon. Yeah, don't forget that I bought it out of the fleet a year old, 20,000 miles on it. And the market value at the time was like 17. And I worked at Edmonds at the time and I lowballed him. I said, ah, it was a Chevy, you know, Malibu. It, it was literally, you know, this car could deserve, could have a whole segment on its own. It was literally the first car in my lifetime that I bought with zero enthusiasm. I literally looked at the car and <laughs> a poster or, a, you know, or a refrigerator. It was a pure utilitarian purchase that I thought, you know, it's got enough room. Stacy can drive it. I'll, I'll give you 11 grand for it. And they took it. So I paid $11,000 for this car 15 years ago uh, with uh, 130,000 miles added on since. It had 20. Now it's got 150,000 miles on it. So I got my money's worth out of this one. And now it's a collectible, right? Because they discontinue it. They don't make it anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, <they> <laughs> it. Whether or not it's collectible is another thing. <laughs> it's showing plenty of wear inside and out and all. But now I'm like, now it's like a point of pride for me. It's like, you know, I always say this to people, right? The smartest thing to do if you're going to buy a new car at all is to drive it till the wheels fall off. It's people who switch cars every three years that are eating a lot of extra money on that. Well, now I'm practicing finally what I preach. And I am literally going to see how long can I make this car go? How far can I push it? I'm going to go as far as I can I mean, now. Yeah. What are you doing to make that happen? I mean, are you really keeping good care of it? Are you doing um, regular maintenance? What are you doing with it? Definitely changing the oil. We just got a new set of tires on it uh, before the drive back because it needed them anyways. Um, you know, and I, I tend to do that too. I, and I, I know how to drive a car, you know, when I start it and warm it up and all. I mean, I'm just practicing what I consider to be, should be standard procedure for everyone. But I think there's a lot of people who don't do this, but, you know, not revving it like crazy when you first start it, letting it warm um, up. And yeah, changing the oil, making sure the water, the cooling system's up to, up to snuff. It's, uh, you know, it's all basic stuff, but like... Warren knows it's not necessarily basic stuff. Sadly, plenty of people don't do basic stuff for their cars. Yeah. Do, do you miss any of the new tech in the cars? I mean, we drive new cars every week, and then you go back in time. I guess. And then do you miss all the, the GPS and all the, the safety features in the cars? Or how, how, is, how is to drive that old car after you drive? You've been driving like all the, the latest and the greatest uh, models. You know, one of my big key things with a car is a steering, confident steering feel. I was impressed in 2004 when that first year of that generation Malibu came out in terms of its steering feel, and it still feels good. But I definitely miss all the technological wizardry inside the cabin. And I, I have a poor substitute, which is a plug-in, you know, like a PowerPoint, you know, lighter PowerPoint plug-in Bluetooth thing that then I can play... I can broadcast on a certain frequency on the on the audio system and then play things out of my um, out of my uh, iPhone. So I was listening to Sirius satellite radio all the way across this trip, not because and actually that car has Sirius, but I've let the account die on it. But I have another account and it's in the mobile app on my phone. And then I was broadcasting it through the audio system through this very low tech thing. And it technically worked. It wasn't the highest fidelity, but I was able to listen to things without losing the signal and being in the middle of nowhere like you would be with terrestrial radio. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So let's uh, move forward to the present or the future because the Honda Civic 11th generation prototype is not the real thing, but Honda always uh, make their prototypes like very close to production. So 
Did you watch any of that, Lauren? Do you have any opinion on it? What uh, What do you think about? I mean, the I cynic is a, a cr- little. Yeah, I, you know why is because they didn't really show us that much, but at the same exact time they were launching the Infinity QX fifty five, so it was like I, I can only watch one at the same time, and I was also prepping for a, a TV segment, so you know I can't yeah, split myself three baby. ways. <laughs> it is weird these time of days that these things are going on, right, guys? Like you know, you're you're theoretically in your house, like we all are stuck anyways, but normally you wouldn't necessarily be in your home at eight or nine o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night watching a semi-required work-related thing on your own TV or your own computer. You'd be enjoying your house at night or maybe getting things done like making dinner, like like you said, uh, uh, Javier. So, and yeah, you had these kind of battle of the virtual reveals between Honda and Infinity going on. But um, I, I was able to get a peak, get a little bit of both of them and, uh, you know, it works, but as we've all ag- agreed, it is not the same as being at a live auto show with all your peers, being able to talk immediately about what you think of the car, seeing the car in person, walking around it from a 3D perspective. It's just not the same watching it on a flat screen in front of your uh, in front of your eyes. And, on talking, a- and talking to experts and the internal people that we get to talk to, the marketing people, you know, the designer, maybe an engine guy, and all the PR people are there too so they can get you answers. We don't have that. It's not the same thing. They'll, you know, like I've got uh, a couple online Zoom meetings. It's not the same thing. Right. Yeah. So anything about the Subaru VRC? I mean, not much has changed in that car, which is a really fun car to drive. I have to say that in the Toyota A6, what it's called now. I mean, that little car, it's it's really fun. And like, it's not that many little uh, rear wheel drive cars with a manual transmission that are pretty affordable and it looks cool in the pictures again in the flat screen as you said what do you think carl i think it's cool that they're keeping it alive i think you're right i don't think a lot changed underneath the skin because i don't think they can justify the investment because they don't sell a lot of these that's just not a huge segment for for sales and profit to be made so they have to do what they can but it would be very easy for them and not really surprising to any of us if they killed the thing completely after you know how long it's been around and i'd rather they keep it alive in almost any form that they have to do to keep it alive and make the financial case for it versus just letting it completely, you know, go away. So I'm glad it's still around. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not glad that we're not in LA, but that's what we are at. And uh, so in the next segment, we're going to talk about the real uh, life test drive that we, I think the three of us have done it, the Ford F-150, right? We're going to come back with that, which is one of the finalists also for the truck of the year of the North American car Utility and Truck of the Year Awards. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Total Car Score podcast that should have been at the LA Auto Show, but again, we're not there. We're in Miami, in Buffalo, and in Southern California. And um, one car that probably, no, actually they showed that uh, earlier in the year, but we would have been uh, driving it maybe in LA, is the Ford F-150, which has been the most sold vehicle in the U.S. for more than four decades. It's an amazing accomplishment. Uh, And one of the questions, like uh, Carl suggested uh, before in uh, other episodes, 
question of the of the week. Why is this car the most sold vehicle in the in the industry, Carl? Well, it's it's been around a long time, so it's built up quite a fan base. Um, but I also think it's one of the most flexible, uh, you know, widely capable and usable vehicles that's on the market. And you know, it's not like there aren't other trucks out there. There are, but you take everything from the history of the F one fifty to the flexibility and functionality of it, and Truthfully, I think a certain percentage of these sales that we see that keep it on the top of that best-selling list come from fleet too. You see F-150s with a lot of, you know, a lot of white F-150s with sometimes very interesting things connected to the back of them or sitting on top of them, boxes and stuff, and company names written on the side of them. So uh, it's kind of one of those self-perpetuating things. Once you're one of the best-selling, if not the best-selling truck for a long time, all the contracts, it's just easy to renew them with you all the maintenance costs, all the supply chain issues, you know, knowing where you're going to go to get it fixed. It's just kind of a system in place now. And the F-150 is, you know, like the vehicle that everyone knows can be easily dealt with on any level of uh, ownership and maintenance and repair. Uh, So I think it's really established itself there. Ford knows that they have to maintain that. And I think the, the exciting thing is, in my opinion, for many years in the past 10 plus years, the Ram was more creative than the F-150 in terms of innovating new things that were cool, you know, Ram boxes and air suspensions and coil spring suspensions and diesel options, even on the light duty version. There was a lot that that Ram did in about a five-year, five, seven-year period between around 2011 and 2017 that really, in my opinion, gave them the advantage. And you saw the sales of the Ram go up and the market share go up and a lot of awards given to the Ram. The newest F-150 that we all got to be introduced to in the last week finally address that. I think, you know, some people might seem, think it seems like a little overkill and a little kind of gimmicky because of all the things that that truck can do. But to me, that's exactly what it has to do. You know, we're past the point where you have a good hauling, towing, capable, well-built truck. If you don't have that, you shouldn't even make a truck. That They all have that. Now you're down to the fine tuning of functional utilitarian features that make them a little extra nice to use as a truck guy who has to use a truck on a regular basis and ford really went after it on part of this redesign in my yeah, I agree. I've, I've actually had a bunch of ford trucks over the years and i happen to have a super duty now and i think the key thing is having owned chevys and rams and ford trucks the ford truck has really great resale which is important it holds up long life it has low maintenance low insurance costs people that have them are very very loyal for 43 years They've been the number one selling pickup truck. And there's a lot of things, like Carl said, people that use them for work trucks like them. But their interiors are great. I have to say the Ram interiors, sometimes they outdo them. But you look at the price of these trucks as they build them these days. It's crazy how you can build it easily into the $90,000 range for a loaded truck. Or you can buy it, you know, entry level, stripped down with crank windows if that's what you want. Well, I have a really cool interview, I think, with uh, basically focusing on these cool features that uh, the new uh, Ford F-150 has. So let's listen to that. Well, Travis, first of all, thank you for having us here in Texas for the first drive of the new Ford F-150. And there's a challenge here for you. You have like 10 minutes to tell me everything about it. And I know there's a lot. I mean, we did already a little walk around, go and look at the video. And uh, we counted, well, we couldn't do the whole math but i think like between 30 and 40 cool features improvements things here and there a generator 
I mean, there's so much stuff. So, like, I, I won't take your time. Like, you have 10 minutes to tell me everything oh about gosh. it. <laughs> uh, well, the new, we designed and built the all-new F-150 to cement Ford's position as America's truck leader. Uh, it's purpose-built to be the toughest, most productive F-150 ever and still deliver that power and capability that our customers have come to know and expect from a Ford truck. Yeah, so... Ford F-150, the most sold vehicle in the U.S. for what, for the, over 40 years, it's right? It's been the best-selling truck for 43 years and the best-selling vehicle in the U.S. for 38 years. So yeah. it's a, a huge a huge pride point for us, but it's also a, a big challenge because we have to make sure that the new product delivers on what those customers, those millions of customers over the last 40 years have come to expect. And the competition, because let's be honest, like all the other brands are coming up and then like all the other electric trucks, new names like Rivian, like Tesla, if whatever comes, like, I mean, we'll see what happens with that because actually if you go to the website try this go to the tesla website look for the cyber truck and it's not in the main menu so i don't know what's going on there but anyway there's a lot of competition right there is yeah it's a highly contested segment but you know as the leader uh, we really try to stay focused on delivering what our customers expect and then things that they didn't even think were coming so for instance with the all-new 2021 f-150 we're debuting our all-new power boost engine which is the first ever full hybrid engine in the under 8500 truck segment and then with that because delivering the most torque and horsepower in the lineup with a with a hybrid is one thing but we wanted to make sure we took that a step further so being able to have all that power to then be exportable to be able to as you mentioned make your truck a mobile generator and have up to 7.2 kilowatts of exportable power it's just insane and that's something that we we uh, we devised in researching our customers and how they were using the truck so a lot of customers were carrying uh generators in the bed of their truck yeah. and that takes up precious cargo space so why don't we leverage the power of the truck to deliver that functionality for customers on the job site or even recreationally so I was uh, looking at the demonstration there with that you have there with both the hybrid and the gas. The gas has the smaller generator. Correct. Yeah, you can get up to two kilowatts yeah, on two the kilowatts. gas. But I was telling him about the other one that has uh, 7,200. And I was thinking, like, I wish a hurricane. And then I stopped myself. Let's not have a hurricane. Yeah, we never wish that on anyone. But but from a disaster relief standpoint, absolutely. Being able to drive in anywhere. But let's go camping. Let's go working. Let's do anything that you can do. As you were telling me before, you can do pretty much everything from the back of that truck. From the business end, absolutely. Yeah, we've really devised a lot of new features and technologies to go into the bed to make sure that customers are maintaining that maximum productivity. So not only do we have up to four 120 volt outlets we also have the 240 volt uh, so if you're powering an arc welder or something like that in a construction site we have the outlet to be able to do that uh, and then in addition to that we debuted our new tailgate work surface so included in that is cup holders uh, mobile phone or tablet holders two different rulers um, other pockets and things like that to be able to hold your screws or shotgun shells if you're a, if you're an outdoorsman uh, we've got uh, we've got everything covered back there the bottle opener don't forget bo- that of course yes <laughs> additional tie-down hooks that double as bottle openers absolutely yep yeah so I mean like that that's the, the level of detail that you have to appreciate because like I'm sure like I don't know when that idea came over but I, the, the meeting of that would have been like really cool to have been there and say like okay let's design this and let's put an extra hook here. Well, another, like, I don't know how or who. I, okay, I, why don't we do a bottle opener? There? Well, I've been working, I've been fortunate enough to work on this truck or be preparing for this launch for the last several years. Uh, and I remember being in the meeting where we approved uh, the feature right here in front of us in this truck, the uh, the collapsible shifter uh, that will actually fold down and allow another table here uh, to fold out on the reverse angle of your uh, center console to give you a flat work surface. Yeah, so, you're not you're not seeing this because obviously this is a podcast, but we have a full surface here, which is enough to probably set up maybe at least two iPads, 
or two 15-inch uh, laptops. And so this can be your office, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, throughout that research of spending time with our customers, we identified these different themes uh, and how they were using their trucks. So we actually went on camping trips with families and fishing trips with a father and son and towing boats and towing trailers and working on job sites. And we understood how these customers were using this and living with them. Uh, and one of the key themes that came out was using the cab as a mobile office or a headquarters. And so some of the features that you see here, like the or like we just talked about with the interior work surface, or even our max reclined seats that you and I are both sitting in right now, uh, being able to take a load off and get some extra rest in the, in the cab. Yeah, these, uh, I mean, I, I said it like kind of in a joke before, but like if you put the seats all the way down, and you have your grill, your refrigerator, and everything in the back. You could potentially live here. <laughs> Who needs a tent anymore, right? Yeah. So, so much stuff that you can do here. But let's talk about the other aspect of it. Because, sure. I mean, all these features are really fantastic. But then you have powertrain. You have, what, six different uh, Correct. engines? Yeah, we have six different powertrains available on the new F-150. So the first is our 3.3 liter V6, uh, followed by the 2.7 liter EcoBoost. We still offer the 5 liter V8. A lot of customers will only consider a V8, so we have to make sure we have that in the lineup to satisfy those needs. Uh, additionally, we have the 3.5 liter EcoBoost engine, uh, which has been upgraded with both horsepower and torque uh, to 400 and 500. Uh, 400 horsepower, 500 pound-feet of torque uh, on the 3.5 liter. EcoBoost, uh, we still have our 3-liter Power Stroke diesel option as well, and then the new engine for this year is the 3.5-liter Power Boost, which is that full hybrid that we spoke to, and yeah. that, delivers our best, that delivers our best offering for power at 430 horsepower and 570 pound-feet of torque. Yeah, and uh, really good mileage, right, considering this LB? It's right. The EPA just rated the 4x4 version at 24, 24, 24, so 24 city, 24 highway, and 24 combined. And then, obviously, a lot of uh, towing capacity and everything Correct. like that. Correct, yeah, so we increased the max towing capacity to 14,000 pounds on the 3.5 liter v6 and then the hybrid not to not is no slouch either you can still tow over 12,000 pounds with that as well yeah. a lot of people like let's say five six ten years ago maybe weren't be considering a hybrid truck but now i think that's the reality not only the reality but it's like the best option that they can get because they get power, more mileage, they get a lot of convenience in it too, right? True, yeah, so you're not really, we like to think of it as the and solution, so there's no compromise. You still have plenty of power, you get tremendous fuel economy, and included to the standard in that engine is the exportable power for 2.4 kilowatts. So it's no slouch, and you can take that truck anywhere. Yeah. And again, delivering the most horsepower and torque in our lineup, so That's really amazing. strong. And then you have, obviously, I mean, the number of different variants that you can have is like almost infinite. Like you can like we've, match. We've broken computers trying to calculate it. It's in the <laughs> tens of millions for sure. But the one that we are seeing now is the King Ranch, which is obviously the, the most luxurious, right? Uh, we actually have another level above that. Uh, oh wow! With, uh, with limited, and that's oh, a yeah, yeah, premium yeah. offering. But the King Ranch here is absolutely one of our uh, more uh, more well appointed trucks. And I guess that's uh, obviously since you are producing these kind of cars that's what your consumers were telling you we want more of everything right customers don't want to like don't, don't like to compromise especially truck customers but that doesn't mean that we don't still offer trucks for less money so yes we absolutely have a, a stronghold on the luxury truck market and uh, customers really appreciate some of the appointments that we have in there but those aren't the majority of the trucks that we sell yeah. the majority of trucks that we sell are either xlts or even stx's they work so, horses <laughs> well not only that but it's a truck that can deliver both on the job site or recreationally for uh, for the average user so going back to that uh, long-standing record of the most uh, sold vehicle in the U.S., in reality, I mean, you were there. The, 
it's almost impossible for the other brands to catch up, right? We, we really because of uh, production capability and all many other factors. We So we can produce an F-150 every 52 seconds. Wow. Uh, but we sell an F-Series truck in less than every 50 seconds. So we have more than uh, we have more than one plant producing those. Uh, and so, yeah, our, our manufacturing capability and the fact that really another pride point for us is that all of our trucks, regardless of F-150, Ranger, or so the Super Duty program, uh, all three of those nameplates are all produced domestically. And we're the only manufacturer that can say that. Yeah. So we're almost at 10 minutes, nine minutes. Oh, so. I can keep going. <laughs> Do you have another minute? Let, tell me something For else. For sure. So we'll, we'll touch Connectivity. on Connectivity. We didn't talk about that. That's true. Yeah. So a few of the other advancements that we have here, every F-150 comes standard with an embedded modem. So the reason that's significant is not only providing Wi-Fi in the vehicle while you're going down the road for up to 10 devices, but in addition to that, it has allowed us to provide over-the-air updates. So why that's significant is in the past, it had just over-the-air updates or Wi-Fi updates had only been pertained to the infotainment system. Now it's pervasive throughout the vehicle. So if there's an update to transmission timing or another module that needs to receive a software update, we can deploy that over the air and prevent our customers from needing to go visit a dealership to get that repair done. Yeah. And then the screen, you said, is like the largest now in the segment? Uh, it's, it is a 12-inch screen, which is the largest that we've ever offered. Uh, and it's a landscape version of that 12-inch screen, which is something we're really proud of. Our customers told us they prefer that as opposed to a portrait mode. Uh, and then in addition to that, uh, it's uh, we're, avail we're offering that 12-inch screen on just about 50% of the trucks that we produce. It's available all the way down into the XLT trim series and then the more premium series above that with Lariat, King Ranch, Platinum, and Limited. Okay, we went a, a few seconds over 10 minutes, but like now tell me when are these trucks available here in the U.S.? We've started shipping them last Saturday, so they are headed to the dealerships now and we look forward to having customers get behind the wheel as soon as possible. Well, I am going to get a, behind the wheel as soon as possible on the other one before we leave back to Miami. <laughs> Thank you very much, Travis. Thank you for your time, sir. Bye. Well, Lauren, there you go. Like there's like, as you were saying, all the cool features that these uh a truck has like a, you can basically live in this truck if it had a kitchen which you can have because it, the hybrid version of it has a generator in the back but uh, speaking of uh, also about the competition you mentioned Silverado you mentioned uh, Ram there's also a lot of other ones coming on your favorite topic the electric ones what do you think about that are they going to come up with something that are going to take any any market share from the F150 well it's funny one of the people i talked to internally at ford said they are not going to build them all electric because they just know that the take rate's going to be too low by the time you put that drivetrain together it doesn't make any sense so you know you have to look at it as a business standpoint too. Are you building them because people are buying them, or are you building them because you're forced to buy them and build them, and no one's going to buy them? That's a real problem. So you certainly don't want to invest that kind of money into a drive line and then find out that you have a take rate of six. You know we've seen that before, like the convertible Murano. That was a real tight take rate. <laughs> you know I know someone that actually has one, and and they think it's a collectible. I'm like, yeah, you you keep that, enjoy. You know. <laughs> Well, you got to build what sells. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. You're in, they're in business to make money. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I mean that. I mean the F one fifty again is uh, on the final in the on the list for the finalists for the truck of the year. So we'll see. If I remember, the top of my head is the Ram fifteen hundred TRX Jeep Gladiator Mojave, which is a variant of the Mojave. Which uh, I think there's an argument about that if if it should have been there but anyway and what's the other one that is on the list uh, super duty ford super duty oh for super duty correct so we'll see how it is so we're gonna go back in the last segment of this show talking about the most profitable and popular 
vehicle in the market to maybe one of the least profitable and popular, which are minivans. Uh, I had a chance to drive last week the Chrysler Pacifica, the 2021 Chrysler Pacifica, and the Toyota Sienna. This is a dying segment, but I think they're still popular. So when we come back, we're going to talk about that. back in the Total Car Score podcast with Carl Brower and Lauren Fix. And as I was saying, last week, I had the chance to drive the new Chrysler Pacifica and the Toyota Sienna. The Pacifica, I drove in Charlotte in one of probably the last driving events, uh, traveling that we will have this year because of the pandemic. And then when I came back, which was a really great thing to do because I compared them back to back, the Toyota Sienna, two of the I guess that there are only four other mo- four models in the segment, the Honda Odyssey and the Kia Sedona. Uh, this segment is dying, but it's still kind of popular, right, Carl? Yeah, it is. I think the way I think of uh, minivans, kind of they were the forerunners to the cars, right? Cars are all dying now. Everyone's killing their car models off. And 10 years ago, you know, over the last five to 10 years, we've watched everyone kill their minivans off. Well, not everyone, but most of them. And it's the same thing, which is once upon a time, there were, you know, like 10 or 12 minivan models. And not that long ago, there were like 20 mid-sized vans. But everyone's buying trucks and SUVs. They, they're sucking up about three quarters of the new car market now, trucks and SUVs are. So anything that's not a truck or SUV, there's just not as many buyers for it. That doesn't mean there's no buyers. That means there's fewer. And because the minivan market went away over the last 10 plus years, so did most of the minivan models. But you have the stalwarts going like... Honda and Toyota and Chrysler and Kia. Those those guys are are hanging in there. Just like with sedans, you're never going to see Honda abandon the Accord or Toyota abandon the Camry. And you're probably not going to see uh, Hyundai and Kia abandon either the Sonata or the former Optima, now the K5. So it just means that you're going to have a Nissan's Altima is probably going to stay in there too. But you're not going to have 20 sedans. You're going to have five, six, seven at the moment. And you're not going to have 10 minivans, you're going to have three or four at the most. So it's it's just, it doesn't mean those cars don't have any market. It just means there's not enough for anything that's off the first tier that used to kind of be second and, tier, second and third tier players. Those can't be around anymore. Not enough market for them. Well, to learn a little more about the Pacifica, I talked to Chris Benjamin, the head of interior design of, the, of this car. And actually the topic is how can you make a box on wheels cool and attractive? attractive. So here's the interview. Well, Chris, uh, I haven't seen you in a while, obviously, because of uh, the pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. We're here in uh, near Charlotte, and we just heard a lot of good things about the new uh, Pacifica. I mean, without taking any away from the engineering and all that, which is amazing. I mean, all-wheel drive, hybrid, all the technology, the Uconnect, so everything is amazing in this, uh, in this vehicle. But uh, for some people, when they think about minivan, they only see a box on wheels, right? And then I guess as as uh, as a designer, you see like a huge opportunity because you you can do so much with it, and we are seeing it here. So tell us about in particular this model that we're sitting in. Yeah, so right now we're sitting inside of the Pinnacle model, um, and this is really the the top top end, um, more luxurious than anything else in the segment, and we really put a lot of extra uh, touches in here to make it feel 
almost transcend the the you know that segment and not feel like a minivan if you be directed into the vehicle blindfolded and you opened your eyes and you looked around you'd have no idea that you were in a minivan i have uh, yeah i have to agree sorry for the interruption yeah. but I, as i'm listening to you i'm looking at the wheel for example the steering wheel and you you look at that and say like wow like this is really cool i mean yeah. like the design that the uh, aluminum wheel that is around ring yeah so a lot of cool things in here um as you mentioned yeah the aluminum ring on the steering wheel uh the accented uh, caramel stitching and then uh on the instrument panel we have the matching uh caramel stitch Um, and then also in the door, that was the other thing that we added uh, to this model. And then the uh, these the the trim behind the screen and and over the cluster, um, it's got this linear wood pattern to it um, in a high gloss finish. So it really get, gives it a, a modern furniture feel. Um, and the best thing is the is the caramel color. I mean, if you look around, it's just it's a beautiful buttery color. Um, it really makes it come to life. And then the seats having the perforation down the middle the quilting on the side with the you know light diesel uh accent yeah. pipe on the edge really makes it feel luxurious i mean too bad this is a podcast and people are not seeing it but go to the website and see check all the pictures and videos that we're posting also and uh this also has something really really cool which is the pillows that you added to that <laughs> <laughs> tell me about that yeah no it, it's it was so much fun uh you know working on this on this project and we you know, had the idea of doing these throw pillows in the second row. Uh, really, my, my, my chief designer, Winnie, uh, who, who led this project for me, you know, it was like her passion project. She really wanted to make sure these, these pillows were in here. And so uh, we, we pushed for it and, and we got them to, you know, they, they match the rest of the interior. They've got the, the quilting on them. It's also in the caramel color, um, comfortable. Kids will use them yeah. for a pillow fight, of course. Of course, yeah. Uh, but Hopefully not throwing it at the driver. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but no, really, you know, went above and beyond to add all of these extra touches to the interior. Yeah. Well, again, like the image of the minivan for some people still is like something like some people don't even want to be associated with the idea of a minivan. For but sure. like, I have to say the, the new technology has allowed you to do many different things. LED lighting, for example, is something that I like to talk about that because it looks really, really cool both in the front and the back. Yeah, on the exterior, we um, we, we, we took what was there and we really pushed it to a new dimension. Um, it feels more athletic, more futuristic, if you will. On the front end, the LED uh, DRLs trace the outer corner of the, of the headlamps and that really emphasizes the width of it. You know, a lot of sculpture underneath that really ties it all together gives it a more athletic uv feel and then on the rear having that graphic go all the way across the rear you know it really accentuates the width of the vehicle it really makes it feel you know very futuristic because you've got the black of the rear glass and the black just continues into the tail lamp so the whole tail lamp is this black glass with only this this red signature lit up it really looks great yeah and then you have incorporated uh, the black Uh, grill the black wheels and then you have the sport version also something like there's almost like one version for every taste right there is i mean we've got the uh the the s which is uh has the black sports uh the blackout package on it you know the piano black um finish around the windows the piano black uh finish on the grill black wheels it really looks sporty um the pinnacle model is the opposite it's got you know the the platinum chrome on the outside yeah. So a lot of personalities uh, that the vehicle can can transform itself into and really creates uh, something for everyone, if you will. 
going back to the concept of designing something like which is like basically a box on wheels yeah. uh, I mean also the interior is is that empty space but I mean there's so much going on here like for example the center console is just like a, a marble of engineering really yeah. because like <laughs> there's is. so much stuff in there it is yeah I mean we've got we've got you know storage you know that's covered in the front we've got a wireless charger in there uh, large cup holders I mean you could fit I don't know you could fit a big gulp in there yeah. if you wanted to um, we've got the drawer that pulls out of the rear of the console so great storage for the rear occupants uh, cup holders for the rear occupants and then this pass-through is is new oh, underneath yeah. you know it's uh you know done in a way that you can get smaller items in there and you can kind of get them down and out of the way um, but really thought of everything you know pulling it all together uh making a a, a a statement that was above and beyond where where it was before and the other thing i didn't mention uh before is in addition to um all of those improvements we now have a 10.1 inch display yeah, with the uconnect 5 right uconnect 5 really shows off um you know the capability of the system because uconnect 5 is five times faster than it used to be it adds a lot of uh, uh technology a lot of custom customizable uh options it's got the user profile, so you can have your home screen set up the way you want. You can have widgets, you know, maybe a radio preset or the, the navigation, whatever you want to have on your home screen. And in addition to that, we've got, you know, the um, in the rear seat entertainment, we added new games, new entertainment for those in the second row. Um, and then just from a materials perspective, again, um, even, the, even the headliner, we... Change yeah. that. It was a cloth headliner, and in here it's an Alcantara. Very elegant, yeah. Uh, which you only see in luxury vehicles, so we really, really did get to the yeah, pinnacle this, with this. Yeah, this minivan is really everything. I mean, like, you could almost live in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you could yeah. put a little kitchen or something. It is like a living room. But uh, going back to, to the, the work from your colleagues from engineering, like, so now all-wheel drive, Yep. hybrid powertrain. Uh, so, I mean, this, this, this car is, I mean, it deserves better better uh, impression that some people have of the minivan right yeah you know i uh, i also was uh would have never considered myself like a minivan lover you know yeah when i joined fca this was the first program that i worked on um seven years ago and when we did the original pacifica that came out in 2015 and we just improved upon that and you know really it it's it's beyond what you would think a minivan should be it really you know, it drives amazingly, you know, adding the all-wheel drive, of course, uh, for the, the northeast states that, that have inclement weather. And which so is, that, by the way, sorry for interruption again, but it's a very intelligent system. Like, you don't mm -hmm. have to push any buttons or anything. It, like, just, like, Nothing does push, something yeah. and, like, can go all-wheel uh, all drive or front-wheel drive depending on the conditions, right? Yep, and it adapts um, automatically with, uh, you know, seamlessly. The customer yeah. doesn't ever know it happens, but it just it switches and it, and it handles the terrain. Um, you know, it's really about improving, uh, the life of the customer, right? Yeah. Because no one, no one needs to buy a minivan of this caliber. They could get something much cheaper that is much less equipped, but it's really about creating something that is, uh, you know, desired, you yeah. know, in a way. And, uh, just because you're a, a soccer mom or just because you've got, you know, three dogs that you want to carry around or, you know, whatever the case is, uh, it's, it's made for everyone, for families, yeah. for, 
you know, people that haul a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah, it, it I, I really think people have everything. to get rid of those labels or impressions yeah. they have, and they have to check this one because this is fantastic. So, thank you very much for the opportunity, and uh, um, congratulations because the car looks great. And so, we're gonna go out and drive it now and, and see how it can do on the road. Awesome, yeah, thanks thank for you, coming. Chris. Yep, so Lauren, there you have it. I don't see you as a minivan driver but what do you think about the pacifica no. you've seen it <laughs> you've no seen i'm it. not does... a minivan driver you're right <laughs> and how does that compare to the sienna well i always say to people when you're looking at minivans they actually are pretty cool when you have a bunch of kids and you're trying to get people in car seats so i'm, I'm done with that stage of my life but i know i remember trying to get in the back seat of cars with car seats and at the time i had like an audi s4 so that was challenging but when you start thinking about usage and usability and maybe you need to go to home depot and get something large or go to costco and get a big screen tv you can get anything in those minivans and some of the new ones like the sienna's got the full reclining seats um i i had fun with the review of mine i had the sienna i had the odyssey and i had the pacifica all like back to back to back so i posted reviews on those but i was you know comparing them all each of them have something very special like for Pacifica, it's a stow-and-go. For Hyundai, it's some of their safety features. For its Toyota, you know, they finally got Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, but now they have these full reclining, totally cool seats. So they're trying to out-compete each other, which I find hysterical because it's, the market segment's shrinking, but there's still a huge demand for it. If you've got a lot of kids and you've got a lot of gear, that's the way to travel. Yeah, and Carl, the Pacifica has a sport version now, so maybe will they convince you with that one? <laughs> you know, of course, it would be FCA who would, you know, take what's not supposed to be a performance vehicle and have a performance. Vehicle. <laughs> you know, if they're going to have a 700 horsepower truck and a 700 horsepower SUV, they're going to put some kind of extra performance juice, even in their minivan, their family car. But I've always been a huge fan. You know, the first new car, the first new car I ever bought at a dealer and drove away with less than 20 miles on the odometer was a 2000 Honda Odyssey. And oh, really? that, that car had broken through you know, the kind of Chrysler stranglehold on the minivan segment because it was so good. And there was back to the Edmunds long-term fleet where I was working 20 years ago. We had a 99 in the fleet. And the first time I drove it, I was like, holy cow, this thing drives great. It, it was the, one of the best driving, not minivans I'd ever been driven, one of the best driving vehicles I'd ever driven, the steering feel and the suspension and everything was fabulous on it. So I was like, wow, I love this thing. And my wife had had a child a year before and was pregnant with the second like a year and a half before and was pregnant with the other one so we were gonna have two kids under the age of three in the next few months and i was like you know what it's time to surrender to reality and she was still driving my 1970 plymouth gtx with a reverse facing <laughs> so <laughs> that's uh, funny it was time to, to to you know jump forward about uh, 30 years in time and get her from uh, a muscle car a 1970 muscle car into a 2000 odyssey honda odyssey and uh, we loved it. We got it. And uh, of course, it held its value well. It was very dependable. And it made getting kids in and out of the uh, vehicle far easier, as Lauren said. Yeah, uh, there's a time for everything, I guess, right? So speaking of that, next week, Thanksgiving, we're going to dedicate the whole show about to talk about the cars that we are grateful for. So I'm really looking forward to that one. I think uh, the three of us are going to have a lot to talk about it. So Thank you for uh, this uh, show. I wish we were in LA and we were, were getting ready to go and have a drink at some of the parties, maybe. Jaguar, Land Rover, Porsche, oh, uh, yeah. Rolls Royce. <laughs> but, <laughs> All the good events, yeah. Musical groups. Remember, Hyundai would have their live musical groups and stuff? So. 
Yeah, that's well, right. There's none of that this year. Oh, darn. Okay. Turn up uh, your Alexa and play some music, I guess, or something. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week, okay? Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at TotalCarscore.com.